Thank you so much for being here. You made the very weird and wonderful decision to enter this space and worship God together. Thank you so much for being here today. I do hope you're continuing to enjoy your summer. But we here as a church, we are very much looking forward to the fall because in the fall we are starting the Jesus series. And all throughout next school year, we'll be looking at the life of Jesus in chronological order. You're going to show up here on Sunday mornings, and you're going to hear about the life of Jesus. You're going to have the option to do your own individual daily reading plan. It's a a six-day-a-week plan, and so Sundays you have off. Sundays you come here and hear about what you read. And then you'll also have the opportunity to go to a small group that parallels with what you're reading as an individual, what you're hearing about on Sunday mornings. You've got the whole package coming up this fall, and you're very excited about it. Look at your faces. You're like this. Yeah. Neighbors, your family members, your coworkers, even your enemies. You're going to invite all kinds of people into this space. This space is going to have more people in it come this fall. And so we're working on something between now and then. We're working on making ourselves more attractive. More attractive. Not physically more attractive. We've already got that down. We're a good-looking group. We all know that. That's fine. We're trying to make ourselves more spiritually attractive because we Christians, we have this power. You didn't ask for this power, right? But with great power comes great responsibility, something like that. It's a Spider-Man thing. I don't quite get it. But there is this thing. We have this power. We can draw people into our lives. We can be attractive in spirit and draw people into our lives, draw people into our church community, and consequently draw people into the life and the message of Jesus Christ. We have the opposite power as well. We can repel people with an ugly attitude, with a, just, a, just a, well, that's it, an ugly attitude. We can repel people. We can be unattractive. We can repel people from our lives, repel people from our church, and, and consequently turn people away from discovering Jesus. And so we're working on making ourselves more attractive. One of these things that repels people, one of these things that is gross and ugly that we encounter in this world is chaos. We're going to be talking about chaos this morning, a specific kind of chaos. Now, if you've spent enough time in church and ministry and Christian life, you know that Christianity is messy by design. You're always welcoming new people in, and there's a learning curve, and so there's a whole lot of mess involved with Christianity, but we're talking about a specific kind of chaos, chaos within the leadership structure or the leadership dynamic in a church, or really any organization can be off-putting, can be repulsive, right? You go to apply for a job and you get a sense that things are just chaotic there. It's like, well, maybe I don't want this job. Or you go shopping at a store and you can't find anybody. Well, maybe I don't want to give my business to this place. Chaos is unattractive and it can be, it can be gross, as a matter of fact. Several years ago, we're going back probably about nine years, I had a friend, a Christian guy, and he felt uh, convicted. You know that word, convicted? You feel like God is calling you to do something. So he was a Christian guy, but he really wasn't serving anybody, really wasn't doing anything. He says, you know what, I'm going to volunteer somewhere. I want to be hands-on and helping people. And so he volunteered for a, a local food bank right here in Delaware County. He volunteered for a food bank. And so many of you have volunteered at different types of food banks, and, and many of them run about the same way. You, you show up, and you gather the supplies, and you build the box to give out to people. Have you done that type of thing where you're, you're kind of going through the shelves, and here's the canned good, or here's this, here's that? You build a box to give out to people. And so he's volunteering, and you know that first time you're doing something is a little bit awkward, so he's volunteering, and he's gathering up those boxes. And this specific ministry, and it was a, a Christ-centered thing, it wasn't a ministry. This specific ministry, they had people who signed up in advance to receive those food boxes. And so the people signed up, and they lined up there, and it was their time, and they got their boxes. And when all that, those people came through, when that line was empty, they had a few boxes left over. 
And so the leader of this ministry said to the volunteers, I want you to take those boxes, I want you to open them up, and I want you to put the food back on the shelves. Now, my friend told me this story because he had a problem with that. So what are we doing? Why, why, why would he have us put the food back on the shelves? I mean, we're working in this very impoverished community. This ministry took place in a very impoverished community. So he's thinking, why don't we just take these boxes and like walk down the street, knock on some doors, give them away, or maybe call the people that didn't show up and, and go and deliver them. What are we doing here? And so he had a problem with this, and he told me, I'm not, I'm not volunteering there again. I'm not giving my money to this ministry again, and I'm not donating my food to this ministry again. And I said to him, well, okay, you're, you're free to boycott, you're free to not volunteer, you're, you're free to do that, but, but do you know what led to that decision, to the decision to open up those boxes and restock the food? I mean, I happen to know the leader of that ministry just a little bit, and I know him by reputation. I'm like, well, I know this guy's an education, I know this guy's a lot of experience, and I said to my friend, if you had this guy's education and this guy's experience, you know the experience that comes from doing a ministry for a while or doing anything for a while? You just kind of know to know who's going to show up, to know how many boxes to prepare, how many extra to prepare. If you had this guy's education and this guy's experience, and if you carried this guy's burden of leadership, because leadership, real leadership, is a burden. Isn't that right? If you had this guy's education, this guy's experience, and if you had to carry this guy's burden, you might make the exact same decision. You know, there's a saying, it's gone out of favor. Old-timers used to say it. Lead... Follow or get out of the way. Did you ever hear that? Now, how many of you heard that one? Lead, follow, or get out of the way, right? And there's a reason that expression has fallen out of favor, because it sounds pretty nasty. It's kind of a mean statement. <clears throat> but there's a logic to that idea. If there is a problem, if there is an issue that needs to be addressed, if there's a problem that needs to be solved, then you have the option. You can step up and you can lead Find a solution, create a solution, lead a team, work together. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to work towards righting this wrong, whatever it is. You have the option to lead. You also have the option to follow. Listen, I'm not going to lead because I don't want to carry that burden, but I'll take on the burden of following. I will follow this leader. I will support this leader. We'll do what needs to be done, and I will be a part of the solution. I don't have to carry the burden of leadership, but I will choose to be a part of the solution, or we can just get out of the way, right? Doesn't that make sense? Lead, follow, or get out of the way. It seems, as logical as that is, it seems that we human beings have created another set of options. Lead, follow, or critique. How about that? Isn't that what we do? Lead, follow, or sit back and enjoy the luxury of criticizing what other people are doing, right? Have you experienced this? Do you know this to be true? Okay. You know what I'm talking about. You know the thing I'm talking about. Now, I'm tempted to say that this is a modern problem, right? Uh, the internet nowadays and social media, and it's filled with people just complaining and criticizing what other people are doing. Sure, yeah, that's a thing. But I think for us human beings, there's always been this temptation. Well, I don't want to lead. I don't want to carry that burden. And I certainly don't want to be a follower, so I'm just going to sit back and critique and criticize and assess and evaluate. This world, I'm going to tell you something you already know, this world is filled with people who are unwilling to carry the burden of leadership, but they will enjoy the luxury of critiquing. Uh, isn't that something? Maybe we need to get back to that idea 
of lead, follow. Or get out of the way, right? Have a seat. <laughs> Maybe that's a better way to put it. Lead, follow, or just go have a seat. Just go have a seat, right? Lead, follow, or get out of the way. There's a wisdom to it. There's logic to it. It's not scripture, but there is a wisdom to it. We have a friend, and this is going back about 15, maybe 16 years ago, and she's a bit older than us, and uh, she's very experienced in church stuff. She's been a member of multiple churches, but she was a part of a new church, and she signed up to be a part of a committee in the church. Uh, it was called the Trustees Committee. We have like a property committee here. It's the same kind of thing. You need a group of people in the church to take care of the place, right? I mean, look around you. There's stuff that needs to be taken care of, right? Can we all agree on that? And so she joins this committee, and she brought a fresh perspective to this committee, a fresh set of eyes, some fresh ideas, looked at their priorities, looked at like, okay, here's where we're spending our money, here's a list of things that we need to do. And she had some ideas about how to do some restructuring within that committee. And the rest of the members were excited about this. She said, you know what, these are some really good ideas. And they take all these great ideas to the pastor, and he vetoes all of them. <sighs> are you kidding me? And so she's telling me this story, and this is a weird phenomenon that I've experienced over the past however many years, 11 years of being a pastor, this experience of people coming to me, a pastor, to complain about their pastor. Why do people do that? That's so weird. What do they expect me to do? When you complain about your pastor to me, what do you expect me to do? So well, that guy's really bad. I would never do that. I mean, I think that's what people expect from me, you know? He's bad, me good. Is that what you want me to say? Like, what is that? Why do you complain about your pastor to me? So usually, I'm going to defend your pastor. And so I said, well, do you know why he made the decision to veto your ideas? Well, I don't know why. No, no, no. Like, well, hang on. This guy's got the burden of overseeing everything, right? Not just the property stuff, but also the ministry stuff, the men's ministry, the family ministry, the women's ministry, the worship ministry, the counseling. He's got to oversee everything, the budget. He has to oversee everything. So there's probably a reason why he made the decision that he made. If you had this guy's education and experience, and if you had to carry that burden, you might make the exact same decision, right? How about that? There's a time to lead. There's a time to follow. And maybe there is a time to, to step back and let others address the issue, others solve the problem. Take a look at this scripture passage <clears throat> that's in your bulletin. Passage from Hebrews. <clears throat> We don't know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, who wrote this letter. We know that it was written about 30 years into the church being a thing, right? This movement called Church Starts Up. Some people believe it was Paul that wrote this letter. I'm not convinced that it was, and I'm not convinced that it wasn't. But we have this leader, this Christian leader, and he's running to a group of Christians who had a Hebrew background, who had a Jewish background. And this letter is filled with some encouragement specifically for this group of people. But there's also words of correction and encouragement that we can receive today as modern-day Christians, as modern-day followers of Jesus. And so this author, he's correcting certain behaviors, he's addressing certain behaviors, and in this passage, he's talking about the leadership dynamic, not within the world, but within the church and what it should look like. He's writing about this ideal. He says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Another way to put this, and some other translations have this, you go back to the original Greek, there's different English words you can use for here. It could say, have trust in your leaders and obey their authority. Wow, if you thought it was tough in the NIV, how about that? <laughs> obey their authority. Why? Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. You know, this past fall, we got into this passage a little bit. I talked about that. If you want to listen to that message, it's called The Perfect Church. It's available online. We talked about this whole thing. I mean, there's a time to lead and there's a time to follow. There's a person to lead and there's a person to follow. And we can't all be leaders and we can't all be followers. It takes, 
It takes all of us. You know, more recently this spring, we talked about this passage in 1 Corinthians. This is Paul telling us the church should be like a body. We all have different skills, all different gifting, all different talents. But we're one thing. We're one body made up of many members. So we have to really take these two concepts and and put them together here. There's leaders, there's followers. There's a time to lead, and there's a time to follow. And let me just clarify, it's not like, okay, you're a leader, you're a follower. You're a leader, you're a follower. No, there's a time for you to follow, and there's a time for you to lead. And so when we lead, we have to do what this passage says. When we lead, we have to do just that. It says have confidence in your leaders. Well, we have to earn the confidence of the people we're inviting (laughs) to follow us. And that's how it works in church, by the way, right? You're not being paid to be here. You're not an employee with a boss. As a leader, you are inviting people to follow you. So you need to earn their confidence, earn their trust. Make no mistake, it is a burden to lead, as most of you know. And it is also a different kind of burden to follow. But there can be joy and satisfaction in both. When you're a leader, lead. When you're a follower, follow. So let me ask you all a question. Those of you who are leaders, specifically in Hope Community Church, maybe you lead a ministry or maybe you don't lead a ministry. Maybe you're just a member here and you lead certain things throughout the life of the church, right? Because there's like official capacities where you can lead. You can have like a title and you can lead a specific committee or a specific, you know, board or whatnot. Or you can just lead a specific situation. You know what I mean by that? Like you're in a conversation and you realize it's kind of going right. You know what? I'm going to lead this conversation in the right direction. We talked about that last week. Leading a conversation, right? When it's your turn to lead, here's my question for you. When it's your turn to lead, are you leading with grace? To lead with grace is such an important thing. Are you leading with grace or are you leading with resentment? That's a real thing, friends. Are you leading with grace from a place of grace? Or are you leading with resentment in your heart? You know, there was a local sports team. And uh, listen, since the pandemic, things have been weird. Things have been off. And uh, they could barely get enough kids on this team. But they got enough kids on this team. But they did not have an adult support. Not enough parents willing to volunteer. And so the coaches said, listen, if we don't get enough parent support, we just can't have this team. And so one of the moms on the team stepped up and said, fine. I want my kid to have this experience. I want these kids to have this experience. And so on behalf of the team, I will step up and I will take on this burden and I will lead. And you know what this mom got in response? You know what she got in return for her sacrifice? Complaints and criticism. Why wasn't I on this email? And why did we change the field from this field to that field? And why did we change the time? And blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the season, she said, I'm not doing this again, right? Can you blame her? No. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking. You've been there, right? Why did I bond? I'm trying to help you people out. What's going on here? I'm not doing this again. Her heart was filled with resentment. And I can't blame her. And neither can you. But when we lead, we need to lead from a place of grace. Earlier this year, I had a conversation with a guy who's newer to ministry, vocational ministry, working at a church, and he was received very warmly, and he had a great attitude about things, but he was starting to receive some pushback, some complaints, some criticism, and he had a great attitude about it, and that's wonderful, and that was very encouraged to hear that, but I tried to warn him. I said, this is going to keep happening. (laughs) 
It's going to keep happening. And so I just try to give him a little bit of advice, a little bit of warning. He's like, just continue to lead. Continue to lead with grace. Otherwise, you might end up resenting these people. You know, the very people that are complaining and criticizing and pushing back, they're the people you're trying to help and support and lead and guide. You cannot let, when you're leading, you cannot let resentment into your heart. It's easier than you think. Some of you have been around for a while here at Hope. A few years back, I took a sabbatical. Lots of reasons behind that, but that was one of them. I can't let myself resent the very people I'm trying to help and lead and guide. It's a real temptation. So when you lead, lead with grace. It's wonderful when somebody says thank you. Don't expect it. Don't expect it. And when people complain and criticize, just know, well, that's what people do. That's what human beings do. And just choose to lead with grace. Here's the other ingredient. When you lead, lead with grace and lead with humility. Grace and humility. I mean, this is really specific to church life, right? And we've had some people over the years that approach me and say, hey, Josh, I want to serve on this committee. I want to serve on that committee. I'm looking for somebody I can trust, first off, and somebody who's humble about it. Because some people, they just want to join a church board or a church committee because they want their way. I'm going to throw my weight around. Now I'm in charge. Like, no, 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 no. That's not leadership. Leadership is the burden of discerning, in the context of church, discerning God's will. What does God want? Making decisions that will impact other people, people in this community. So we need to have humility. This isn't about throwing around our weight getting our way. We, when it's our turn to lead, we need to lead with grace and humility. And when it's our turn to follow, huh, what's going on in your heart when you're following? To follow joyfully. To follow joyfully. When it's our turn to follow, let's follow joyfully. It was so great. Yesterday, we were waiting, waiting around to hear back from our Kenya team. Did they land yet? Did they land yet? Did they land yet? It's like we all breathe. Whoo! That, that sigh of relief once we knew they were on the ground, right? When I've been to Kenya in the past, I have loved that experience. I've been to Kenya five times. I've loved the experience. One of the things that I love about it is I'm not leading. Once I get there on the ground, I am not leading anything. I am a follower, and I love it. What time is breakfast? Okay. What time do the shuttles leave? Okay. That's all I need. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. I'll figure it out when we get there. That's all I need to know. I'm not, I don't have to carry the burden of leading anything. I just show up. I just show up and do what somebody else tells me. <laughs> what a joy. What a joy to not have to carry the burden of leadership. And so when we have that luxury of not having to carry the burden of leadership, we should be joyful. Wow, I'm so glad somebody else is doing this. I'm so glad somebody else is carrying this burden so I don't have to. I will joyfully follow. When it's time to follow, to follow with joy and humility. <laughs> humility is the common ingredient there. To follow with joy and humility. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, maybe you would have. How many times have you thought that? I'll confess, in my younger days, in my 20s, watching pastors do their pastor stuff, well, I want to do that. All right. Well, why don't you try it, buddy? You know, you never know until you get there. Well, I wouldn't do it that way. Well, maybe you would. If you were in that position, if you had to carry that burden, maybe you would. So when it's time to follow, to just be humble. Okay, maybe it's not how I would do things, or maybe it is. I don't know, but I'm going to follow because I trust, I have confidence in this leader. 
I trust that this leader does not have some kind of weird motivation. I trust this person is doing this sincerely, and I'm going to be appreciative. I'm going to have that joy and humility as I follow. When we lead, when it's your time to lead, be filled with grace. Lead graciously and lead with humility. When it's your turn to follow, follow with joy and follow with humility. That's how it should work within the church, how it should work within the local church. It might not work that way in your workplace. It might not work that way in your school. It might not work that way in your community or on the sports team or whatever you're involved with. It might not work that way there, but we're supposed to be different, right? A group of people working together, no ego, no pride, working together with humility, working together toward a common goal. Do you realize how attractive that is? That is magnetic. What's going on here? A, people, a group of people who aren't being arrogant and boastful and prideful, they're actually humbly serving one another, working together towards a common goal. Do you realize how strange in a wonderful way that is, how attractive that is? When we just have chaos in our churches, well, I don't want to lead and I don't want to follow. I'm just going to complain. I'm just going to gossip. I'm just going to critique. I'm just going to criticize what other people are doing. That is repulsive. That's repulsive. I mean, I want you to take a moment right now and think about your invitation list. Think about the people that you want to invite to meet Jesus. Do you think they want to be a part of a church where there's that kind of chaos? People looking out for themselves, people complaining, people criticizing. Is that what you think they want? No, they don't want to be a part of that. And guess what? Neither do you. And guess what else? Neither do I. (laughs) No one wants to be a part of a community like that. But when we let go of pride, when we let go of selfishness, when we lead graciously with humility, when we follow joyfully, when we all work together toward a common goal, we will be so stinking attractive. We will draw people into our lives. We will draw people into our church. And we will draw people closer to the message and ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's close out our worship service in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you have set us the ultimate example of what it means to lead with humility. And you poured yourself out, God. You emptied yourself of your grandeur, and you became one of us, Jesus. You were here on this earth, and and you endured hardship. You just kept leading, and you just kept pushing on. And so, God, when it's our turn to lead, let us follow the example of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, when it's our turn to follow, give us that joy. Give us that appreciation. Give us that perspective. Give us your perspective when it's time for us to follow. Lord Jesus Christ, this one church here, we pray that you would use us. Let us live closer into this ideal. Let us move closer into this ideal of what a church is supposed to be, what a church is supposed to look like. God, you know our hearts. We want to be attractive. We want to draw people closer to you, Jesus, closer to your message, closer to the gospel. And so, Father God, let us be a people who work together toward that common goal. Father God, once again, we want to thank you for this worship time that you've given us, a time to be refreshed by you, to be restored by you. And now that this worship service is over, we pray that you would continue to be with us, God. Continue to allow us to worship you with our lives. Let us worship you, God, by the way that we love and serve you and by the way that we love and serve other people. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. 
Amen.